Well, good morning. I'm glad you're here. Um, they, they've given me a chair because last time I was I preached, I was I was like a tennis match. I I didn't. My wife says I move too much when I preach, so I got to slow down a little bit. Uh, man, influences this week, and I'm so thankful. Uh, Amber's vision for this has been so incredible, and. And this week, I watched so many of our children learn how to use their gifts, uh, learn how God made them. And it was just an incredible week with our, our, our children. So if you see Amber running around, just tell her, great job. I mean, it was so, all our volunteers uh, were so incredible, and I'm just really thankful for that vision. And I'll tell you what, let's give Amber a hand, just as a, I mean, um, she doesn't serve out of applause of people. But man, what a great uh, minister of the gospel. I'm thankful for her. You know, um, um, every Sunday night, uh, most Sunday nights, we, we have a five o'clock service that Paul Purefoy, our, my father-in-law, who works with our senior adults here, we, we do a service uh, targeting seniors in our community. And um, um, at that service, often Paul Taylor will preach. Paul Taylor is a retired pastor from Tulsa, and he uh, is a mentor of mine and a dear friend of Paul's for a long time. And, and, uh, and many of you know what's gone on in their lives, Paul and Linda's lives, in the last couple of months, because uh, we've been praying for them. But tonight at 5, Paul is going to be sharing his just kind of how the Lord has strengthened them. Um, I don't know if you remember, but um, in May, right as school was getting out, Paul uh, went to Houston, and his 11-year-old grandson had gotten saved, and Paul baptized him. Uh, the very, that, that week, school ended, and, and his, uh, the grandfather on the other side of the family, uh, Paul, Paul's has three grandsons there, and the youngest was 11. And their other grandfather uh, celebrated the end of school with a little fishing trip. And he took them to their farm in Centerville, Texas. And, um, you know, uh, early in May, there was a, an escaped inmate uh, that had uh, um, escaped a prison transport. And everybody had thought that he had left the area and tried to get to Mexico, but... Um, but they didn't know it, but that inmate was actually on their farm. And as they showed up, they, uh, the grandfather had taken his three grandsons, which Paul and Linda shared with them. They also took a cousin, one of his other grandsons. He took them as well. And as they showed up at the farm, that inmate was there. And tragically, um, he shot and killed all five of them. And you may have seen it in the news, and it was just been been difficult. And and honestly, there's there's really no words to describe this situation. Paul and Linda have watched the Lord move and strengthen and help, and but yet it's so very difficult. And and, and you know, in the midst of the heartache, God really has moved. And so He's going to be sharing tonight at five, and we're going to gather around them and pray over them, but. But, but, you know, I think it's important to note that the miracle of following Jesus is not that we are exempt from difficult times. The miracle of following Jesus is that God walks us through even the most difficult of circumstances. 
Jesus said something so very interesting in John uh, 16, right before he went to the cross. In John 16, 33, Jesus said this. I've told you, he said to his disciples, I've told you these things that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And, and, and you know, in the midst of the troubles we face, we must never forget that God is faithful in every circumstance. And that's something I don't want us to forget, that God is always faithful. And no matter what you're facing today, I want you to know God is faithful. None of us know what we're gonna face tomorrow. But here's what we know, God is faithful. And when, when it's been the most difficult of times, that's when God comes close. That's what happens in the life of a believer. You know, a lost world doesn't get that. A lost world looks at tragedy and goes, well, where's God? God wasn't there. No, no, what we find as followers of Christ, that in the, even in the most extreme and the most difficult of times, God comes close. And if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. And, 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 and I want to remember the context of the book, of 1 Peter. We've been uh, really digging into it for a while now, for several months. And uh, we're in chapter 4. And, 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 you know, in this book, God is using uh, Peter to reveal some in, in, incredible truths, not only to those first century believers that, that were in Asia, um, Asia Minor, which is uh, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, and, and uh, not, not just those believers, but believers all through history. There's a message for us. And we've seen over and over again how salvation is our greatest gift. And this is something we see in this book. And, and salvation is a gift that we've been given that holds a promise, not just for this life, but the life to come. And let me tell you something, there will be a life to come. The Bible's very clear on this. And in this book, you see this message over and over again, that, that salvation is our greatest gift. You also see in this book how the Holy Spirit moves in us, and the Holy Spirit helps us grow up. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, all of us need to grow up in our faith. We need to mature as believers, as followers of Christ. And what the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit guides us, convicts us, walks with us, and we grow up in our faith. And you see this over and over again in the book of First Peter. And you also see how, how Jesus comes and helps us in the face of a hostile culture. You see this over and over in the book. Now, in chapter 4, um, it's, it's an interesting chapter in the Bible because God uses Peter to describe the suffering that is going on in the churches of Asia Minor. And, uh, and, and you kind of get to see how these are believers that are scattered. You might see in chapter 1 that you might see the word dispersion or scattered. And, and these are believers that are scattered. And it's interesting to, to, to think about this, the suffering that they face because 1 Peter 4 gives us some insight into the intensity of their suffering, into the scope of their suffering. And, 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 and I think it's interesting as you see these Gentile believers, a lot of them were Gentiles, and they were going with the culture. They were going with the world. And all of a sudden, they come to know Christ, and now they're in opposition, and they're facing some criticism. And, 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 and you know, it's, it's interesting as you, as you think about this passage, that, that they, these believers now find themselves as outcasts in the very places that they were raised. And, and you know, I think this, this book is not only incredibly relevant for our day-to-day, 
I think this book is incredibly relevant to our future. So let's stand together and let's read 1 Peter chapter 4. Um, and we're going to look at verses 12 through 17 today. And I've been working on it, and this is, there's a lot of moving parts in this passage, so I, um, I, I've not gotten it all down. I'm trying to memorize this, and, and so forgive me for cheating just a bit today for my memory work. So. But verse 12, dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as, something, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or uh, another, any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin in the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be of those who, disobey, who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will, be, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now we know from history that the that state persecution would be coming in the lives of these believers. Domitian, Domitian would, would, would eventually bring governmental persecution to these believers. What's happening right now as these believers are scattered, they're facing some serious cultural persecution. And there, there's, some, uh, there's some oppressive situations going on for these early believers. But, but you know what you see, and this is so very important, that, that in the midst of those, those, those persecutions, in the midst of those difficult moments, God is creating some incredible missionary opportunities. And this is so very important for us because God has called us to be missionaries to the world we live in. And what Peter is helping us see, and God, the Holy Spirit is using Peter to, to, to highlight some of these missionary opportunities that are, that are coming to the forefront. And even in my quiet time this morning, I, was, I go through the one-year Bible, and I'm re, I was reading in 1 Corinthians 5 about how we are to engage the world where we live. And, and in the midst of these persecutions of these believers in the first century, and, and I think in all through history, that in the midst of those times of difficulty, incredible missionary opportunities present itself. In chapter 4, we, we see this, this really important theological understanding of tough times. And, 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 and so let's think about point number one is this, and I, and I want us to catch this, that, that conflict in and with an unbelieving world is inevitable. You know that, right? That, that we, are, we are going to be in conflict with an unbelieving world. Look at verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised 
at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. Isn't this interesting that the, the, all through the Bible, he tells us, don't be surprised when you face difficulty. It's almost like, as, like in our American Christianity, we think, oh my goodness, there's a trial. I can't believe it. Now, the Bible tells us, don't, don't be surprised when trials come. Don't be surprised when painful suffering comes. As though something strange were, were happening to you. But notice this, look at verse 13. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ. Remember James 1 says, consider it pure joy when you encounter trials of many kinds. Uh, we, we've, we've noticed this in chapter 1, that there's a living hope in the midst of the trials. That, that he says, rejoice when you, that, that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that, notice this, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Now this is so very big because when's the last time you were overjoyed with something? I mean, when, when did your wife look at you, husband, and go, man, you're really overjoyed right now? I mean, what is, like, think about what overjoy looks like. It's almost like, hey, calm down a little bit, man. You're, like, really happy, right? And, uh, but, but notice what he says, that when God reveals his plan, we're going to be overjoyed at our suffering. You, you know, um, uh, Friday I spent time with uh, Julianne Sullivan, and uh, she is a... Uh, the Sullivan family is dear to us, dear to our family. I mean, I've told the ambassador story many times, but, but Justin died at 18. I preached his funeral, and, and, and man, I walked with the Sullivan family through the tragic death of their son. And, uh, and then, you know, we've started this ministry, and, and we're taking another chapter coming. We're, we're kind of restarting this next chapter of a life worth following here in the next year. But, but, but you know, we were meeting about that, but I, I was talking to Julianne about her, her husband's death. Because several years ago, I preached her husband's funeral. So I've preached her son's funeral. I've preached her husband's funeral. And um, Robin and I were talking about what I said at David's funeral, David Sullivan's funeral. Um, you know, I, I was standing there at the graveside, and I said, you know what, Julianne? Um, David has already seen the Lord. And he's already seen how God's ultimate plan was used in the death of your son. And I said, I guarantee you, God's plan is so magnificent that I, I, I guarantee you, David has already looked at the Lord and said, Lord, your plan is so magnificent that if I had to do it all over again, I'd do it all over again because your plan is great. And I want you to notice what this verse says. That when... Rejoice when you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when God's glory is revealed. Let me tell you something. Even in our worst times, when we suffer for Christ, there will be a time that God will reveal his plan. And let me tell you something. God's plan is so very magnificent. Let's not forget that. You know, here's what we got to do. We got to train our, I want to challenge us. Let's train ourselves to think biblically about every circumstance. And this is why we, even in suffering, we've got to think biblically about our circumstances because we respond differently than a lost world. 
We look at tough times and we think differently than a lost world. We've already seen this in, in 1 Peter 4. Look at back up 3 and 4, 4 verses 3 and 4. He, he says, for you spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They think it's strange that you do not plunge in with them into the same flood of dissipation. See, uh, when it comes to trial and, 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 and difficult times, what does a lost world do? A lost world tries to numb themselves. Uh, they, they try to get into, let's distract ourselves from the pain or the difficulty. But that's not what we do. What do we do when we face trial? We trust the Lord. We lean into the Lord. We lean into the Lord's strength, not our own power. And we act differently. Let's train ourselves to think biblically about every circumstance in our lives. Look, even though I don't know what tomorrow holds, you know, there's so many fears in our country about recession, all these things, and there's, we could get overwhelmed with fear. But let's train ourselves to think biblically that God is faithful at every season, at every time in life. Let's think biblically. Let's prepare ourselves to stand strong through painful trials. Look, there are painful trials. We shouldn't, be th we shouldn't think it's strange. Oh, my goodness. There's going to be painful trials ahead. That, you know what? I look at the, the unstableness of our future and the, and the challenges that for, uh, in front of us, and I'm not, I'm not ready to uh, throw in the towel. Look, I, I'm like, okay, Lord, let's, let's see what you're going to do. Let's walk with the Lord. Let's trust the Lord. Let me tell you something. God's faithful. He's been faithful in the past. And let me tell you something. He's going to be faithful in the future. So I'm like, bring it on. Let's take our stand. Now, look at verse 14. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. If, if we're ever insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed. And notice this, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. How cool is that? Oh my goodness, that, that, that to have the spirit of glory resting on you, to have the spirit of God resting on you. I, I'll tell you what, that's, that's what I pray for for my life. Every time I get up and preach, I'm like, Lord, may your spirit move. Lord, may your, your Holy Spirit guide us. May you meet with us today. I, I mean, think about this. When we are insulted for the name of Christ, the spirit of glory rests on us. I mean, that's the kind of husband I want to be. That's the kind of, what would it look like for you to walk into your work with the spirit of glory and of God resting on you? Oh my goodness. What would it look like to, to be a parent with the spirit of God and of, of, of the spirit of glory and of God resting on you? How cool is that? And man, that's what happens. When we suffer for the name of Christ, the spirit of glory and of God rests on us. And we, we forget sometimes. We gotta realize 1 Corinthians 1.18, this is a great verse to memorize, for the, for the message of the cross is foolishness. Foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it's the power of God. And let's not forget that the power of God is, is in us and it is moving us. And, and this is something I don't want to ever forget is the power of God is with us. Let's never forget that. And, you know, even as Christians, there are times that my understanding is limited. And, um, and there are mysteries in the world. And there are questions that I, 
I just don't always know the answer to. You know what? In the last service, um, goodness gracious, there were two families in the last service. I, missed, I mentioned it. Um, two families I've helped. I've helped their children go to heaven. I've helped them bury their children. And you know what? I am so very inspired by them because here what, what they were doing, one was sitting here, one was sitting back there. And here they were coming to church going, Lord, we're seeking your face. God, I've watched God strengthen these two families. They're still married. They're, they're, they're walking with the Lord. And oh my goodness, I love being a part of this church. Because, you know, I'm supposed to be the pastor, but these families were inspiring me today, strengthening me today. And, and, and you know, uh, I've seen the spirit of, of glory and of God resting on them. You know, they may go, man, it's tough. I mean, Billy came up and he goes, man, it's tough. But I trust the Lord. And, and you know what? That's someday, someday God's going to reveal his glory. And let me tell you something, that'll be a day that will go, Wow! Wow, Lord. But 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says this, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, now I know in part, then I shall understand fully. And I'm thankful that in the Bible, there's so much lament. You know, this, these are such hard sermons to preach because I, I, I feel the pressure of, of man, I want to be encouraging. I want to be uplifting. I don't want to come talk about suffering. That's awesome. You know, bring it on. Come on, Chris. I'm so glad I get to hang out with you, Pastor, talking about suffering. But you know, when you really think about the Bible, do you realize in the book of Psalms, a third of the book of Psalms are laments? You know what a lament is? It's a, it's, it's expressions of, of sorrow or grief or regret. And, and some, so often we, over, we don't preach about the laments very often. But, but we should. Why? Yeah, I love the laments. It's, it's honest. There are times I lament. There are times that I struggle. There's two types of laments in, in the Psalms. There's the, the individual laments like, like a Psalm 3 or Psalm 6 or um, you know, Psalm 13 or Psalm 77, those are individual laments. There's also corporate or communal laments that, that the God's people together come and lament and, and come and express grief and sorrow. And for me, I'm grateful they're in the Bible because that's honest to me. That's real to me. And that's not some fake Christianity or some fake religion. No, that's gut level honesty. And that's what the Bible is. That's why I believe the Bible because it's just very honest. And people that criticize the Bible, uh, that say it's not honest, I'm like, have you read it? Because a third of the Psalms are laments. I think that's pretty important. Look at verse 15. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal. And I love how he throws in, or even a meddler. I think it's funny to me. I think Paul, Peter's like, oh yeah, and, yeah, and, and a meddler too. That's like someone that's just kind of, you know, busybody gossip, you know. He puts that in, the fa in with murderer, thief, and any other kind of criminal and a meddler because that's damaging. But, if you, however, if, verse 16, however you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. 
church. Let's understand something here about, about, about this. Uh, you know, sometimes, um, let's understand what this suffering is like. This is suffering in the name of Christ. This is not suffering because you're a jerk, right? I mean, this is not you getting on Facebook and being a jerk and, and going, oh, look, I'm suffering for Jesus. No, uh, th this is, or, or making some tweet to tick everybody off just to be, sometimes I have a tendency to want to just be a jerk. But let's understand, let's not equate suffering for just being a, a criminal or a thief or a meddler. I mean, meddler, I think that could be, in our modern day, actually translated Twitter or Facebook. I'm, that, I'm, I'm sorry, I just made that up. That's, that's not really what it meant. But, but look, let's notice that this passage is, about speak, is speaking about persecution when you act like Christ. And you remember what Christ acted like? Look back at chapter 2. Let's look at what Christ acted like when he suffered. When, when, he, when Jesus, and Peter writes this, that, that when Jesus suffered, he said, to this you were called, for Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. When he suffered, he did not retaliate. Well, 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 I always get this mixed up. Let me make sure. No, no, following his steps. Notice this, verse 22. He committed no sin. When he suffered, he didn't commit sin. Sometimes we face some, some antagonism and we sin. Jesus, when he suffered, he committed no sin. It's okay to be angry. Ephesians says, be angry, but do not sin, right? When he suffered, he committed no sin. Look at this. No deceit was found in his mouth. He wasn't deceitful with his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. So you see Jesus setting a really, really important example for us in Scripture about how do you respond when persecution comes, right? Now, persecution, point two is this, persecution because of Jesus brings real blessing. And the Bible's clear on this. All through the scriptures, you see Jesus mentioning this. All through the gospels, you see Jesus mentioning this. And, and, and notice that phrase, suffering because of Jesus. I want you to see a couple of verses, Matthew 5, 11 and 12. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you. Notice this, because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So notice in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, hey, when you are persecuted because of me, you're blessed. Look at Mark 13, 9 through 11. You must be on your guard, he says, Jesus said. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. Notice this, on account of me. Notice that. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. 
And the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. And, and right there, Jesus promised his disciples, look, you're going to be put before governors. You're going to be uh, giving an account because of me. Don't worry, I'm going to give you what you need when you need it. And this is a principle in Scripture. God will always give us what we need when we need it. John 15, 18 through 21. Notice this. Jesus says to his disciples, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Verse 20, remember what I told you. A servant is no greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. And then, this is interesting. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way, look at this, because of my name. For they do not know the one who sent me. You see, you, you've got to see this over and over again. Verse 15, it points to the fact that if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. But praise the Lord that you bear that name. And you know what I pray that we are? We're a church that bears the name of Jesus, that we bear that well, that we represent Christ well, that we give this community and the people that, that we work with and our families a, 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 an accurate and a, a biblical picture of Jesus' name. That's our calling. Boy, I, I want to think about that next time I tweet, next time I get on Facebook and I bear the name of Christ. And I pray that we bear that well. Look at verse 16. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. But praise God that you bear that name. And then I think it's interesting in verse 17, he kind of takes this, this little curveball, it feels like. I've been really wrestling with the two questions that I see in this, in this next section. For it's time, he says, for judgment to begin with the family of God. That's interesting. Judgment begins with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it's hard for the righteous to be saved, what will be the outcome, or excuse me, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will Boy, that's, that's, that's fascinating. There are times that it's going to be God's will for us to suffer. But when we do, look at the end of verse 19. So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to a faithful creator. Oh, let's, let's, let's just, let's let that stand for a second. There's a faith, the, the God we serve is a faithful creator. He's a faithful creator of the world. He's a faithful creator of your life. 
He's the author and the perfecter of our faith, according to Hebrews. He's a faithful creator. And so what does it say? How does it end? How does chapter 4 end? We continue to do good. We're called to this community to do good. And this is why I, I look at our, what the gospel has done for us, what the gospel has done in us, what the gospel is doing in us. It's moving us to do good, to invest in this world, invest in people. And as we, as we represent Christ to, to this community and, and to Tulsa and beyond, as we go on mission trips, did you catch what this mission trip that's going to take place on Saturday? How cool this is? Oh, my goodness. Um, Jordan grew up at historic Calvary Baptist Church, which is now our mission church. That's where he grew up. He met Becky, who grew up right here in Owasso. And they're married. And now they're serving the Lord. And we're sponsoring that mission church, the everlasting church in New York City, wherever it is. Is it that way? Um, that way, I think, right? I, I don't know. Look on a map. And, uh, but they're, man, the gospel is being preached. And you know what I see? This point three is such an interesting um, picture of persecution. And this, as, as we develop a theology of suffering, it's important to have a good theology of suffering you know, the, the persecution of Christians, it spotlights the need for repentance. When I look at this passage and I think about wrestling through, it's time for judgment to begin with that family of God. That God permits suffering and judgment to come to his family. Because it's, it's often in our suffering that the world recognizes Jesus. They look at us that, that we don't go get wasted when we face a difficult time. No, we lean into the Lord. We come together and we lean on one another. And, and the lost world goes, wow, that's, that's why, why do you do that? Why don't you just numb yourself? No, um, because when we come together and stand together in the face of opposition, a world recognizes Christ. It's like John 17, 20 and 21. It talks about that it's our unity that the world would believe that, you, that Jesus came. It's in our, the way we work together, the way we love one another. And, and, and then he asked this interesting question, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? I can't get away from that question. Have you obeyed the gospel of God? Have you obeyed that? You know, it's, and then he quotes Proverbs eleven thirty one. Peter quotes it right here. That's why it's interesting to notice in, the, in your Bible when you see, a, like, like it's probably set aside, it's probably a quote in your Bible. That's Proverbs 11. It says this, if the righteous receive their due on earth, how much more the ungodly and the sinner? You know, if you're just living for this world, oh, you're going to be incredibly disappointed. Not only in this life, but oh, you're really going to be disappointed in the life to come. 
And that's why I pray that you, you recognize how, how important it is to obey the gospel of God. When you think about the gospel, what the gospel do? The gospel confronts sin and calls us to change direction. That's what the gospel did to me. It, it confronted me. It told me, look, I'm not okay. Look, I gotta, I gotta turn to Jesus. I'm, I, 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 I'm not okay by myself. Something's gotta change in me. And this is what the gospel does. And, and we live in a world that, that they don't like that. The, the, the worst thing that you can say, the most uh, culturally incorrect thing to say to somebody today is you're not okay. Look, we're not okay. The gospel confronts us and says you're a sinner and you need to change direction. And you know what, when, when the gospel impacts you, when, when Jesus saves you, you know what the gospel is? The gospel is the entry point into the spiritual battle. And let me tell you something, folks, we're in a spiritual battle. And God has called us not to go crawl in a hole and, and, and build a wall around us. No, we're, we're called to, to, to take our stand against the devil's schemes. We're, we're called to, to advance the gospel. I don't know, I, I learned in sports from my dad that, that the, the worst thing you can do is play not to lose. No, we play to win, right? We're, we're going we're gonna to engage the world we're in. We're going we're gonna to step up to this spiritual battle. You know the most dangerous thing you can, the, the, the most dangerous posture you can have in a battle? It's to not know you're in a battle. And we gotta be, a, I pray we're a church that knows we're in a spiritual battle. And when the gospel changed my life, that was the entry point into a spiritual battle. And I don't wanna ever forget that we are in the middle of a spiritual battle for the souls of men. And man, let me tell you something. We're called to stand in that battle. And you know about the gospel. Have you obeyed the gospel of God? You know the gospel is a narrow path. The Bible's clear on this. Wide is the way that leads to destruction, Jesus said, but narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. Folks, there's only one way to heaven. And we live in a pluralistic society, meaning that they, there's a lot of people that don't want to follow the teachings of the Bible. This is just one of the many ways to God. That's not, that, that's not, that doesn't line up with what the Bible says. Jesus very clearly said the, the gospel speaks of a narrow You know what the gospel is? It's complete trust in Christ alone. Do you know Jesus? This question that I, I keep coming back in verse 17, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Have you obeyed the gospel of God? Have you? Oh, man, I, um, you're a sinner. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to his own way. And, but God laid on him the sin of us all. Do you have a forgiveness story? Do you have a moment you can look at and say, Jesus saved me, forgave me? I mean, you know, I'm kind of like that little girl that was baptized today. I, mean, I was almost eight when I was baptized. When I came to Christ, my mom led me to Christ. 
I was followed the Lord in baptism right before my eighth birthday. And you know what? Um, here's the truth. I was in just as much need. I was in, I was in just as deep of a trap as a seven-year-old boy as that man that took the lives of the Paul Taylor's family. We, we were both sinners in need of Jesus. And, and you know, do you have a story of forgiveness? Do you realize that that gift is available to you? No matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, if you'd come to Jesus, he'd save you. Wow, what's keeping you? You know what that looks like? If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Have you been saved? Have you been born again? I know those are old preacher words. Ah, but they're powerful words. That's why we're here. That's why God put this church in this spot, in this city, is to proclaim that message. I love this song we're going to sing. If you'll surrender to him, he'll save you. Would you? You know, as we sing this, if you need Jesus, we're here for you. We want to help you. Many of you, I want you to come because there's a lot of these kids that we're praying this week that come to know Christ at False Creek. And I'm praying for, for Catherine this week. Would you come and pray for somebody? Would you get one of these and pray for these students this week and these leaders? Would you stand where you are? Lord Jesus, we bow before you. And we give you this time. I pray that every one of us in this room would be able to sing this song with honesty. That we would surrender all to you. Father, I thank you for the honesty of scripture. I pray that you would move us even now. I love you, Jesus. Would you move among us? Would you move us? In Jesus' name, amen.